If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and this is another episode of Behind the Headlines. On this episode, we talked to Jared Purcell. He covered high school sports. So if you thought last week's coverage of public school amidst the global pandemic was interesting, wait till we get into sports. Well, uh, to be honest, I think it was brewing ever since the MHSAA decided to cancel the remaining winter and spring season that we had um, put on hold back in March. I think that decision came on April 3rd and then suddenly everybody's attention went toward the fall and especially football. What's gonna happen with football? And as the summer went along, I felt like every time I asked a question, I was met with more. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where every question brings up another detail. Like you said, it's this big onion that you're peeling apart. So let's jump into the episode. We have Jared Purcell. He covers high school sports for MLive. And my co-host is always Vice President of Content, John Heiner. Happy other week, John Heiner. It's, a, it's another one of those <laughs> things. Groundhog's week. <laughs> Groundhog's year. Yes. Yeah. The, well, you know, you're like every, I don't even say this anymore on Monday, but what will this week bring? And um, last last week we had some interesting stuff happen uh, in the realm of coronavirus and life in Michigan. Um, there's an old tradition in journalism that we're all used to, and that's like the Friday afternoon news drop. It's a PR staple, right? It's, it's yes. all the way from the White House to, you know, state government to you name it. But a company wants to go out of business. They're going to tell you at 459 on Friday afternoon yes. and then run out the back door yep. uh, and leave, leave journalists scrambling to try to get some uh, perspective and context. But uh, we had a big one drop on Friday afternoon. The Michigan High School Athletic Association uh, late in the day announced that, you know, football, which is the big dog in fall sports, is going to be postponed until the spring. And who knows what postponed means and who knows if there's even going to be a spring. Uh, I don't take anything for granted anymore. But that has been, of course, the big question, for, one of the big questions for schools and for students and athletes uh, was this fall. And it it's also affects all fall sports and winter sports. And so we got a million questions about that. And you know, we're fortunate today to be joined by Jared Purcell, who's a high school sports writer for M Live, based out of the Detroit area. Uh, Jared's been with us for many years. He knows the ins and outs. And uh, Jared, uh, you know, got out of his uh, notebook and his pencil and he tried to answer a lot of questions for our readers. We have a good post that that Eric did on 
Monday. Uh, excuse me, Jared, not Eric. Eric, you're welcome to come to work for us anytime you want. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> yeah, we'll put you to work too. There we got so many coronavirus stories. There's plenty to go around, man. But uh, Jared's with us today. Jared, welcome to Behind the Headlines. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, glad to be here for the first time. This is going to be fun. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, we do. And it seems like every week I say to Eric, boy, we got a lot to unpack on this topic. <laughs> but this is probably one of the biggest onions to peel back to because the level of unknowns, we're just, it, it, coronavirus itself. I mean, we're sitting here on, you know, midweek and by the weekend, the state could be shut down again for all we know. Hot spots flare up, the counties, uh, but, you know, they talk about the phases going in and out and they give color coding to counties. And it's, it's all seems to be a very fluid, dynamic and ever changing uh, situation. And that's every institution. Um, and so you cover high school sports. And obviously in Michigan, football is the big dog. Everyone's had their eye on this. And mm -hmm. you you pointed out all of the facets or, you know, not all, but many of the facets that are facing schools. And parents are out there too. And there's another constituency that has, uh, you know, uh, very strong feelings about what, what they would like to see happen in the fall. So why don't you just start at the beginning with that football decision, how long that was brewing and you know, like what ultimately tipped it uh, to, to make the decision for MHSAA? Well, uh, to be honest, I think it was brewing ever since the MHSAA decided to cancel the remaining winter and spring season that we had. Um, put on hold back in March. I think that decision came on April 3rd and then suddenly everybody's attention went toward the fall and especially football. What's going to happen with football? And as the summer went along, I felt like every time I asked a question, I was met with more. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where every question brings up another detail. Like you said, it's this big onion that you're peeling apart. And this this has been brewing for a while, but it's also been just all over the place. It's been bubbling up in different areas of what the decision is going to be. Because at one point, you know, the, the MHSA said, yeah, we don't want to move fall sports into the spring. Uh, we're going to you know, do everything we can to move forward as normal. And now here we are looking at potentially some fall sports in the spring, some fall sports staying in the regular slot, a four sports high school season. Um, but the high school football decision was the big one. Um, you know, and there just been domino after domino falling, and you were just kind of waiting for that MHSA domino to finally drop. Um, when the Big Ten, I feel like, you know, made that decision along with the the Pac-12, it really, I think, started shifting everyone's mind if they weren't on board with the MHSA postponing fall that they were starting to get on board with that just because they're like, if the collegiate teams with all the resources can't do it, how is it going to work at the high school level? And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is with this cancellation of football, uh, you know, we've never seen anything like this. We still don't know how it's going to look in the spring. Um, those decisions should be coming at some point this week from the MHSAA, but, uh, you know, it, it could be the first domino for the rest of the fall sports as well. Um, right now, there's only three sports, um, cross country, tennis, and golf that are even cleared for competition at this point. All the other fall sports are waiting on the final decision. And, um, you know, football was the first one that we expected to go just because, I mean, it's so hard to have a contact sport like that. And 
you know, justify social distancing and all the stuff that everybody's requiring. So uh, there were just too many things. And the MHSA ultimately said, um, you know, we did everything we could, but we just didn't feel comfortable with moving forward in terms of how will we keep these kids safe? So, and I mean, we've seen different uh, football teams throughout the summer. Um, I thought that was the big warning sign where when they were doing their summer workouts, uh, they would have to quarantine for 14 days because someone uh, within the program tested positive. And this was going back into July. So once that started happening in my mind, I just thought it was just a matter of time. I didn't actually think it would take this long for the MHSAA to eliminate football for the fall season. Um, and some people are a little disappointed with the timing of that. That's a different subject right there. Uh, but I, I saw it coming for months. So. Well, early on in the coronavirus, there was, you know, it took a while for science to catch up and everybody kind of get yeah. consensus around what works. And, you know, eventually, you know, even Trump put a mask on. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> eventually everybody kind of realized that the mask is, doesn't hurt. It probably helps. Uh, social distancing helps. Mm -hmm. Being outdoors is better than being indoors. Da, 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 da. But in the case, I know you cover high school, but in the case of the major power five conferences in college football, obviously the Pac-12 and the MAC and the Big Ten made a decision based on criteria and, and science that they see. And then the SEC and you know Big 12 and other conferences are saying, no, we got the same data. We're looking at it a different way. Do you have any insight into what was the trigger for the MHSAA to make this decision? Yeah, in, in my mind, uh... You know, the, the MHSAA was, first of all, they were doing everything in their power to keep it in the fall. And even as early as last week, uh, you know, the MHSAA said they felt good about their guidelines that were in place. Um, but I, I think uh, eventually, once you get the kids out onto the field, when they started practice at the beginning of last week, and then you hear about the issues that are coming up with keeping kids socially distant, um, there was one football team that was not even allowed to use a football at their practices. And uh, then you had schools canceling their football seasons or all their fall sports. Um, it was just a really big uh, avalanche that had just started. And I don't think the MHSAs thought they could step in front of it and stop it. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, you think you've done everything possible and then, you know, you see the levy break and then it's just like we have to this we have we can't do this <laughs> i mean it's it's one of those things where i feel like th they made the right decision uh it's a tough decision you obviously don't want to see these kids have to um you know go a full season without playing the sport they love but at the same time moving it to the spring it's not like it's been outright canceled uh, i think it's a smart decision i think there's obviously more opportunity in the spring and i felt like this is what they were saying too that there's more opportunity in the spring to have a better handle on things um just because in the recent months we've seen the spikes um happen across the country in cases uh you know michigan saw another spike even though you know we're kind of leveling off right now um you know it was much higher in these last couple months than it was in june when everyone was starting to feel really good about this uh, so I, I think it was just a, a big avalanche of issues coming from the state, the health department, 
and the concerns of the coaches and parents that all just kind of combined into it. Um, the MHSA was trying to stay in front of it as long as they could, but they just couldn't. Before we go further into the issues related to football in the spring, which, I mean, I've got like eight different questions about that. <laughs> yeah. But what about cross-country tennis and golf? Do you think they can pull that off? Or do you think that that's also kind of dangling by a thread? Um, well, if you ask me, I think golf can happen. Um, I'll just go sport by sport here. Uh, we've, we've seen golf courses open and people been able to safely, you know, go through their, their round without any issues. You can social distance, um, whether or not you want to have the kids carry their bags or however you put those plastic dividers in the, uh, um, as you're driving through. But, uh, I think golf is definitely one that could go on. And if the MHSA wants it to. Um, I don't see any issue with that. Um, tennis is another one where uh, it gets a little iffy when you get to like things like doubles, you know, when you have kids, you know, diving across each other and, um, you know, sharing the same ball and stuff, but I mean, they're not really touching it. So they should be okay there. Cross country, um, being a cross country coach myself, there are a lot of issues still surrounding that sport. Um, it's definitely doable, but it's not going to be in a way that we're used to. Um, you know, with cross country right now, there's currently restrictions on the amount of people that you can have in a race and the number they settled on was 70. I'm not sure how they came to that number, but you can't have more than 70 kids in a race. And to some people out there not familiar with cross country, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Sure. Um, cross country operates on a large scale level where most of the competition is, um, many schools coming in. I mean, one of the invitationals that we participate in has about a hundred schools come in. Granted, they're all spread out through different races, but no matter how many races you have with that many schools, you're going to be well over the 70 limit. Even in just league competition, uh, a lot of schools do the jamboree format where it's like an invitation. Everybody comes in and competes against each other. Um, well, our league has gone back to the old style um, dual meet format where you're just racing against one school. Mm -hmm. And even at that level, you have giant teams uh, here on the uh, uh, east side of the state. And I know there's some big ones over in the Grand Rapids area that might have trouble keeping with those numbers. So they have to, you know, chop up their teams in between varsity and JV races. So there's um, just a lot of logistics there that we have to figure out, but I think it can move forward. Um, so those three sports, I, unless the MHSA wants to keep all the sports together, which I don't feel like they need to, if they're going to create two separate spring seasons in order to continue the fall ones. Um, I think those three sports, tennis, uh, golf and cross country will be able to continue this fall. And you said there's decisions pending on soccer, volleyball, and swimming. Yes. Um, the decisions for those sports, um, volleyball and swim are in the same boat, whereas they compete indoors. And right now in the current phase four that most of the state is in, uh, you can't have those large gatherings indoors. And, um, I find it kind of ironic how all these kids are going to be able to go back to school if the district chooses to have them in person, but you know, the swim team and the volleyball team can't get in the pool or the gym. So I don't know if there's going to be, um, you know, some kind of agreement made between the governor's office and the MHSAA to allow this to happen. But the MHSAA is really trying to um, push the narrative that these kids need to be inside. Um, there's a lot of obvious logistic things there with volleyball. I mean, you have a bunch of girls on either side of the net diving across 
um, you know, when they score points, are you going to have them eliminate their, you know, cheer where they all come together and stuff like that? I mean, there's just so many things. Uh, you're going to eliminate handshakes, um, all that stuff. So uh, will they even compete with masks on? Um, and that, that's a whole topic right there. Uh, with swim, uh, you would think that, you know, jumping into chlorine and stuff is um, mostly helpful, but at the same time, it's those, those can be large scale events and they're held indoors. And, you know, depending on your school, your natatorium is not the biggest place in the world. I mean, it's big enough to hold a pool, but outside of that, um, I know at the high school uh, where I live, they have enough room for a pool and then everything's kind of just really confined around it. And uh, there's not really any opportunity for athletes when they're not competing to social distance at times. Um, so that's just another uh, thing where being indoors in closed areas becomes an issue with sports. Um, and then with soccer, you're like, oh, well, they're outdoors. Um, they can stay socially distant, but soccer is a contact sport. I mean, whether you want to say that or not, I mean, just because they're not wearing full on pads and a helmet, they're still making contact all the time. And that's the big issue there. And talking with soccer coaches, they seem a little more optimistic about their sport moving forward. Um, but I've talked to also a couple of players, um, one that I know personally, and they're a little less optimistic about the season moving forward, especially after football had decided not to compete. Um, so I, I think uh, those three sports are in danger of uh, moving to the spring as well. Um, I say in danger like it's a bad thing, but at least they'll still have a season if they do move. Um, but yeah, I, I think football, I don't expect football to be the only sport in the spring. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I'm going to make an observation. Um, this is coming out of Major League Baseball. So I'm just using it as an example, though, uh, of athletes. And you can say, I mean, they set like 100 protocols for safety for the MLB that the union had agreed to. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I watched the Cleveland destroyed the Tigers um, <laughs> last weekend. And, you know, after every 490 foot homer they hit off the Tigers, they were high fiving. Um, you know, it, it didn't look like they were doing a lot of distancing in the dugouts. Some guys have masks, some guys don't. But to your point, volleyball match, the first impulse after a spike is they do that scrum, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, and you're getting everybody on this court together. It's going to, how do you even hope to, you know, okay. So six feet apart, six feet apart, you know, and, and the athlete in a team, in a team setting, athletes just tend to come together like that. It's just part of, part of the sport. And you starts to become, it starts to feel to me very laborious and depressing almost <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah. to think like, how are you going to just ensure? And then is the game still as fun for the kids? Exactly. And it, it gets to the point where coaches will have to consider that. Is it worth even moving forward with a season? Um, Cause I mean, even on top of what you were saying, when then they come together and celebrate, you know, there'll be kids, you know, they're breathing heavy, they're sweating all over the place. If they fall on the ground and scrape up their knee you know, they're exposing themselves to potentially more infection, et cetera. Um, so there's just so many other things health-wise you have to consider. But I'm glad you brought up the point about Major League Baseball because um, with professional sports, like you said, they have all these regulations. They have the opportunity to bubble themselves. And high schools, 
do not have the authority really to even bubble their athletes. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to go home. They could go out and meet with some friends. You don't know what they're doing away from uh, their sport. Professionally, you can control all that. You know, you put them in dorms, you put them in hotels, you do whatever you take, uh, whatever you can do to make them, you know, stay within their bubble. And uh, at the high school level, that's what makes it so difficult. So um, I actually talked with a doctor about this last week, and he was telling me that, you know, it's it's perfectly um, probable for sports to happen, but only if you follow this restriction, this restriction, this restriction, this, and it's just a list of all these things you need to do. And that kind of stuff just doesn't seem feasible when you're talking about teenagers, especially some of them who, you know, I guess have the attitude that, well, maybe this won't affect me as much. I want to see my friends. I want to go hang out. I want to go be a kid. Um, you know, in some ways you can't blame them. And in other ways, I mean, some of the coaches or parents, you know, feel the same way. Like, you know, you should be able to, you know, enjoy your, your senior year of high school and things like that. But I mean, if you want to have sports, you, you got to do a long list of things. And uh, I just don't see that happening for uh, the high school level. There's no way to bubble that, in my opinion. Um, going to the spring now, it, we'll come back. I want to come back to some things about the winter, but say they've moved football to the spring. I know that they kind of bought themselves some time by mm-hmm. doing that because your article did lay out how they might stagger the seasons in the spring and break it into two seasons yeah. and so forth. But you also brought up logistical things, uh, facilities, buses for away games, um, the, the demand when you pack all that into the spring. And like I said, maybe they have time to figure it out, but why don't you talk a little bit about what that might look like and how they're going to pull it off. And again, think of, I live in a school district with over 2000 kids, but there's 560 school districts in the state and some are (laughs) small, some don't have the resources. Um, Is this going to be kind of an opt in opt out maybe too, that's that you won't, you'll just have to cobble something together if, if it's a go. Um, yeah, I, th- I think for the spring, uh, you know, given the time for everybody to digest and make a plan, um, that might be a way to go in order to have some, you know, semblance of a season. Because like you said, resources, I mean, for all sports, you know, transportation is a huge question mark at this point. And then when you move more sports into a season that already has a full, you know, um, plate, you know, that'll cause issues. Uh, but I do think they will separate the spring seasons. Um, I think the current uh, expectation is to separate from March, April, and May will be the traditional fall sport restart. And then spring traditional sports will be May, June, and July. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a, a weird thing to, um, you know, consider how Football in the spring. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. Who's ever heard of football in the spring? So. Well, you never saw arena football? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, um, outdoor football in the spring, I guess. Just to say. Okay. I mean, I don't know if the CFL plays in the spring. I can't remember what their season is like. But <laughs> but still, like American football in the spring. I mean, we've never seen anything like that. And um, it also raises a lot of question within the sport uh, in terms of, you know, will kids – who are committed to playing college already? Will they 
opt out of not playing spring in order to enroll early. Um, whether they do want to stay in the spring and graduate from high school in the spring, will they still opt out because they don't want to be hurt for their upcoming college season, which is right around the corner now. Um, and then again, with the Big Ten and other conferences, I'm sure we might hear some others in the future uh, moving to the spring. Who knows what even the fall will look like for college sports because of that. So uh, I, I digress a lot from what your original question was. So I want to make sure I'm no, staying okay. on on the right path here. That's fine. Because like I said, it's an onion. It's a maze, a labyrinth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once you start down, because as you were talking, I'm thinking, say they pull this off somehow and they have a spring football season. Well, when does camp start for the fall? I mean, right. do, do you just go back right into football, right? Um, I'm sure mm -hmm. football players would say, sure, let's do it. it. It was back like when they switched the boys and girls seasons from fall to spring, there were some some back-to-back -back seasons. I, I guess oh, it's doable. That that's a legit concern among high school football coaches that I've talked to. And it's been uh, numerous ones who have brought that up. Uh, these, they're, they're basically saying these kids need a break and, you know, people might say, well, they're going to have another spring season after the football where it'll be, you know, the traditional spring sports. But, but um, you know, if those kids do those sports too, right. And then they're going into July and you're supposed to turn right around and start your camps and stuff in July. I mean, these kids are going to be burnt out. Um, there could be potential for injury. Um, if you get injured in a spring sport that you traditionally play, that gives you less time to heal up for the fall on the football uh, team and stuff like that. So if you're a collegiate football player who uh, runs track and field, um, you know, maybe you're going to be skipping track in the spring because you don't want to take a risk of, you know, pulling a hamstring or something like that. So uh, it's, it's just one of those things where there's so many things now for the athletes to consider moving forward. Um, hopefully we get a better outline on this, but um, yeah, you, you, you will see athletes making tough choices, um, you know, for all sports in my opinion. So. This has a real impact on kids' lives. And I mean, my daughter on March, Friday, March 13th, I helped coach my daughter's tennis team. I helped the head coach and that was the last practice. They'd had maybe a week of practices for the upcoming tennis season. It was her senior yeah. year. She was co-captain, da-da-da. You can kind of fill in the blanks then. But I remember being at the indoor practice uh, when, when Whitmer's announcement came down. I was there. I got a, a message from our, our, our work team's platform that Whitmer's going to have a press conference. And everybody knew what was coming. Right. And the, the, you know, the disappointment is palpable. And you don't blame it. They're seniors. And uh, then one by one, you keep this series of hopes going. Well, maybe we can still do this. Maybe it will come back in May. Maybe there'll be a prom. And man, you just see everywhere in society, we're just, we're trying to make a deal with COVID. We're, mm -hmm. all, we're all trying to make this bargain with COVID, right? And it, it starts to feel, I don't want to say it's just ultimately discouraging because everyone's trying, mm -hmm. but ultimately COVID is makes the decision for us. Um, but anyways, you, what I want to get to here is you're a coach. So yeah, you have contact with your players as well as with the school and the MHSAA, but what about your kids? What are you hearing from them? Uh, well, from my kids, it's, um, there is concern, um, not with us necessarily moving forward as a team, but just everyone else doing their part because they know that in order to have a season, you know, the general public has to take the responsibility to try and flatten the curve 
and keep the numbers low enough where, you know, we can feel safe. Um, I still have athletes that are not necessarily comfortable being in a team setting. Um, you know, and I, I encourage them if they want to, you know, stand further off to the side, if they don't want to be necessarily in our six foot social distancing circle that we make, they want to stand off to the side, they can do that. And I have kids doing that. Um, I have kids that are uh, contemplating on just doing workouts on their own away from practice. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things where the, the kids see what happening. I mean, kids these days are so much more socially aware of what's going on in the world and the country because they see it all the time on social media, all the news, everything. Um, I was never this much in the loop when I was in high school with what's going on in the world. Um, and so there's, uh, in the back of their mind, I think everyone's concerned. Even the football players I talked with after they canceled the football season, you know, they're like, we, we kind of saw this coming. I mean, we, we kept our hopes up. We did everything we could and it just wasn't enough. But in the back of their minds, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's discouraging, but at the same time, it's not surprising. And, uh, you know, there, there are some kids who are, uh, I guess, a little more disappointed that we're still in it at this point, because when this first started, you know, when we had to cancel, you know, spring sports and winter sports didn't get to finish, everyone kind of had the idea that, oh, man, okay, well, at least in the fall, we'll have things under some kind of control. Um, so there, there's also that mental aspect of this has just been going on and on and on. And it's really difficult for them to kind of process that day after day. It's just exhausting. I mean, I've, I've just been exhausted trying to make sure, you know, we're, we're following all the guidelines at practices and everything. And I, I'm a sport that's low risk. I mean, I can't imagine how it would feel for coaches for football or teachers and things like that. So there's, I understand what you were saying earlier, John, about just the, the sense of, I guess, dread that's always kind of there in the background. We're just kind of hoping the next corner we turn, we'll see the finish line. But um, it seems like every time we turn a corner, it's just, we're still, in, we're still in that maze. Okay. Really quickly, it's winter. Uh, I'm guessing that, you know, wrestling is probably oh, man. not going to be considered the the avatar for social distance sports. Um, but basketball too, you're talking about uh, a lot of kids in close contact during a game. That's a contact sport as well. Um, we've also been hearing from parents who are concerned they can't even come to watch games, things mm -hmm. of that nature. Everything that we're talking about is through the prism of unknowns. But just from where you sit and what you think, what do you think we'll be seeing as schools move towards the winter sports season? Um, well, the short answer, short answer I have is I don't think we'll have a winter season um, just because I don't see things improving enough where the MHSAA will say, this is okay. Um, I mean, everything is indoors in the winter. So that is right there. The toughest thing you have to deal with right off the bat. I mean, the winter team should be lucky that, we're at this point at the start of the fall instead of the start of the winter, because I don't think there would be any sports if that was the case. And, you know, what will change between now and, uh, you know, November when teams are supposedly going to start uh, winter practices and stuff. I mean, we've been hearing from numerous reports and experts, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, we could expect things to possibly get worse in the fall because there will be coinciding with the flu season. You know, there could be another spike. Um, 
I mean, I, I just don't feel like the, the groundwork that's in front of us has laid out a path where we can have winter sports um, unless there's some kind of, you know, crazy turn of events, um, whether it's with, uh, you know, a very strict policy of kids having to wear uh, masks while they compete in basketball or something like that. But how, how do you how do you wrestle when you're you know sweating, bleeding, breathing right in the person's face the whole time and you have. Uh, officials and referees who um, like the the MHSAA's average age of officials, I believe, is somewhere in the mid 50s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how do you have all these guys also at these events with all these different activities going on, people swirling, people sweating, people competing um, and it's all indoors. So, I mean, I just don't understand how winter sports will move forward. I really hope I'm wrong with my prediction. I would love nothing more than to be incorrect when I say there won't be a winter season, but just as I see things now, um, there's just too many questions and too many concerns to move forward with it. Like you said, even moving forward means planning and you can't plan when you don't have knowns. Right. You know, so one idea is, you know, there's a lot of team, you know, community pride and school pride, and maybe they could set up leagues and have do it all via e-gaming. <laughs> e-gaming, <laughs> right? Like just play Madden and yes. change the team yeah. colors. Yep. Right. I mean, right? you can just change it, as close as we so get to what wrestling. Can I enroll into then? Because right. I want in on that. I was going to say as close as we can get to wrestling is WWE 2K20, <laughs> but I guess whatever. Then we're going to see high school athletes complaining about their rating in the Madden game. Right. They don't have a 99. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the wild thing about this is, you know, talking about wrestling, the weekend before you know, all the, the sports were shutting down and stuff. I was at Ford field for the, the state wrestling championships and there were, you know, over 500 kids there and it was all nuts. And, you know, back at that time, coronavirus was still a little bit of a joke. It's like, Ooh, it's, is it going to be bad? I mean, we got to wash our hands. We all had a hand sanitizer at the, the media table and stuff. And we were sharing it and passing it around, but then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then it's like, how did we even, I mean, I, I don't know if there were any cases that came out of that, but I was like, I was a week away from, you know, that, that first wave. Mm-hmm. So, um, and now that it, we know what it can do and how contagious it can be, I just don't see things like that happening. Yeah. I look at, like, I'll be watching a video, a YouTube video of a band I like, and I, I see all these people in the crowd, you know, and I go, well, what world was that? I mean, we may never, <laughs> right. would you ever do that again? It, it kind of feels like we may not go back to the way things were. And I know. I was and at a concert would... myself in February and it was one of those venues where everyone's just like shoulder to shoulder. I was like, that feels like it was two years ago. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. when, when is that going to ever happen again? Right. Well, we can hope, but, uh, Hey Jared, thank you for joining us today. It's a great conversation. And you, uh, you, you now are a reporter of the unknowns and <laughs> yes. uh, you're doing a heck of a job with it. Um, Answers are scarce, lots and lots of questions, but I can tell our listeners that MLive will be devoting a lot of uh, resources and effort and people like Jared and their work to these unknowns and these questions, Mm -hmm. and we'll be bringing the answers the best we can. Yeah, I couldn't be more proud of our local sports team and the way we've handled this. I mean, going months without actually being able to report on competition and being at events um, you know, we've really uh, cranked out the quality content and we've asked all the right questions and, you know, we've gotten down to the bottom of a lot of things that hopefully our readers are appreciating. So. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, behind the headlines, Eric, as always, 
it's fantastic being here with you. And I think in our future, there's probably another week. We can we can hope. I promise you that. <laughs> okay. yeah, there will be maybe, another maybe week. Maybe I'll see you guys again in the winter. So. <laughs> thanks, Jared. <laughs> All right, thanks. And there they go. Big thanks to Jared Purcell for helping us out today and joining the program. And big thanks to my co-host, as always, John Heiner. If you like what we're doing, there's a couple things you can do for us. One, you can put the podcast in a playlist on Spotify. You can like and review anywhere that you listen to your podcast that will help people discover what we're doing. And finally, you can share it on all the socials. We'll be back next week. I am Eric Halkren. That is John Heiner. And this is Behind the Headlines.